This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So long, gay boys. Wait a second. Internet creatures, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's July 5th, 2023. That's right, America has celebrated her 247th birthday. I hope you were out there with the burgers and the dogs and the fireworks and the beer, not the Bud Light, and all the other good stuff uh, because we still, despite everything, people have an awful lot to celebrate in this country, and it is now our job to protect those things uh, that we should be celebrating. We're gonna be talking a bit about that today and what happens when you do not protect those things like free speech and borders, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, as always, we are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and on Locals. If you wanna join us for the post-game show, do so at rubenreport.locals.com. And a hearty welcome to all the new members. Uh, the community's been growing at a nice pace, so it's good to see everybody over there. Uh, before we get to the show real quick, I saw something yesterday. You know, I try not to uh, tweet over the weekends or the extended holiday weekends and that kind of stuff. Every now and again, I'm looking at my phone. I admit it, I am not the perfect person, so I try not to, you know, that much. But anyway, uh, I saw on Twitter that there is a website that will do an AI explanation of your Twitter feed. So literally you just put in your Twitter handle at Ruben Report for me, and then within, I don't know, three seconds, it basically gives you an AI report on what you're all about. And I wanna read you mine, because I thought it was pretty good, but not perfect, and that shows you a little bit of the danger of what's going on with AI. So this is from Twitter GPT. Based on a close examination of Rubin Report's recent tweets, it is evident that they have a strong affinity for American patriotism and celebrate the country's history and freedom. They frequently express support for the United States and its values. Additionally, they engage with political figures such as Elon Musk, David Sachs, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., indicating an interest in politics and current affairs. Rubin Report often retweets content related to Thomas Sowell, an American economist and social theorist. This suggests a potential interest in economics and conservative ideologies. They also retweet posts critical of affirmative action, indicating a belief in meritocracy and opposition to race-based policies. In terms of personality, Rubin Report's tweets exhibit a straightforward and direct communication style. They express their opinions openly and do not shy away from controversial topics. Their sense of humor can be described as sarcastic and biting, often using irony to make their point. Based on their tweets, it's difficult to determine Rubin Report's home city. However, they frequently engage with individuals from the United Kingdom, such as Douglas Murray and Suffrage Gent, that's, uh, that's my buddy who was on on Friday, uh, suggesting a potential connection or interest in British politics and culture. Considering their political allegiances, Rubin Report's tweets indicate a conservative leaning. They express skepticism towards the Biden administration, criticize progressive Democrats, and support conservative figures and ideas. However, 
However, it's important to note that this analysis is based solely on their recent tweets and may not fully capture their complete political beliefs. If you are going to get Ruben Report a gift, you should consider getting them a copy of The Vision of the Anointed, Self-Congratulation as Basis for Social Policy by Thomas Sowell. This book aligns with their interests in Thomas Sowell's ideas and provide a deeper, deeper exploration of his conservative perspectives. Anyway, the reason I wanted to show that to you is that this chat GPT thing and this AI stuff, whether it's AI video or images or audio, it's happening right in front of our eyes. We haven't talked about it a ton on this show and we will dive into it more. I wanna get a couple specialists on AI to talk about all the cool stuff that could come from AI and all the dangerous stuff. You know my love of dystopian sci-fi movies, so uh, I think this could probably go either way and most likely it goes the wrong way. But uh, I thought that was interesting that basically with machine learning and chat GPT, you can get a pretty good snapshot. That's a pretty solid snapshot. It thinks I'm more interested in British politics because I had a couple of British guests on last week. The fact that it didn't say anything about Florida or it couldn't figure out I live in Miami, like that's kind of surprising. But anyway, that shows some of like the positives of this stuff. Like it, it really in no time, machines can now spit out something that's pretty clear, uh, but not perfect. And that's sort of the, uh, the interesting, I would say road that we are going to have to traverse uh, when it comes to the future of AI. Anyway, the theme of today's show is happy July 4th, even though today is July 5th. Uh, you know, this country, 247 years old, as I often talk about, uh, is the greatest experiment in humankind. The idea that people from everywhere on earth with their foods and traditions and music and clothes and cultures and all of those things that they could come to this new place and this new place could put them all together, not keep them separate, actually become a melting pot that would be based in human freedom and individual rights and all of these things. And it's still, even now, despite everything, all the craziness and the political polarization and everything else, it's still the dream of the world, right? It's still the place everyone wants to come to and nobody's leaving. The people that spend all day long, AOC, virtually every Democrat, every dingbat on MSNBC, they spend all day long complaining about this place. I went on Twitter yesterday trying to find like some positive uh, people on the left saying nice things about America on July 4th. It's basically impossible. Mostly it's about all the horrible things that we've done. Uh, but nobody leaves, nobody leaves. Uh, so we are divided, yes, and we are at a precarious moment for sure, uh, but that gives us great opportunity to steer this thing and hopefully we can steer it back to some of the principles that the founders were coming up with, say 250 plus years ago. And what I wanna contrast that with uh, is a country that's really struggling right now. If you are paying attention to mainstream media, and I know you guys are wiser than that, you're not seeing much on what's going on in Paris for the last 10 days or so, but Paris, has been burning, absolutely burning. Uh, they have let in thousands, hundreds of thousands of migrants. They don't know what these people are up to. They don't know what their cultures, they brought all these people in. They did not integrate them the way we do in the United States and they've got major problems. And I wanna contrast that with what America is all about. That's what we're doing today. Let me talk to you guys about Moink Box real quick and then we'll get to it. You guys know that 60% of US pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese and their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. Guys, there's a better way. I wanna tell you about Moink. That is Moo plus Oink. 
Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops and salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time. And as you know, I do love cooking some meat on my big green egg on a Friday evening. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, and they guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now. And listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. And now back to me. Okay, so yes, yesterday we celebrated the birthday of America, 247 years young. She's doing all right, despite all the forces always trying to take her out. Uh, but I thought a nice way of kicking off the show today would be a flashback uh, to about 40 years ago, 1980. And you know what happened in 1980? Budweiser put out this July 4th commercial. This Bud's for you. This Bud's for you. There's no one else who does it quite the way you do. So here's to you. You know it isn't only what you say, it's what you do. This Bud's for you. This month's for you, for all you do, the king of beers is coming Yeah, just for you, that distinctively clean, crisp taste that says Budweiser. So that was July 4th, 1980, and it's just American people taking pride in working, smiling, poking fun at each other, enjoying themselves out by the grill, doing actual work with other people. Pretty, pretty good. Also, it seems clear that they're pitching to a certain type of person who might drink their product, but you guys know the woke ruin everything, and they have ruined Budweiser, specifically uh, Bud Light. Now let's flash forward to just over the last couple months. Uh, you know this ad that Bud Light put out with Dylan Mulvaney. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. Love ya! Cheers! Go team! Whatever team you love, I love, too. Okay. Love ya. Okay, break a leg. Okay, so 1980 to 2023, and we've done this sort of thing before. I've shown you old ads or old things from The Tonight Show versus what's going on today. But the real question is, how did we go from that to where we're at right now? And where does that put most of us? Most of us who don't care for this nonsense. Uh, most of us who might be represented by guys like little-known podcaster Joe Rogan and uh, little-known rapper Ice Cube. Uh, Ice Cube was the guest on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple days ago. They got into this craziness about Bud Light and Target going woke and how the average person like you, like me, has just about had enough. 
the, the Pride people are mad at him because they didn't support Dylan Mulvaney. So they, they, they like, kicked it <laughs> they out don't of gay win. bars. You don't win you know, either way yeah. at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I, I think about the companies that own these companies, the people that own these companies, and why would they let a decision like that take the company down? I don't think they thought it was going to. I think this is a legitimate public outrage one where they just pushed too far and people went, F- you and it wasn't even like a real like promotion it was a thing they sent a can to this person this dylan mulvaney person but i don't think it went anywhere else i think it was just like here this is for you and you put it on social media they made some sort of a partnering deal mm-hmm. you know and that was it so why target do the same thing well i think that's an esg thing that's an esg thing right and target lost billions of dollars too because people people are sick of this shit. They're sick of social things like that that are controversial getting stuffed into your face and where you, you have to accept it. Yeah. And people are like, I don't want to accept it. It's just like, I'm just coming here for f-ing toilet paper. That's the point. It's not that people are not accepting of different lifestyles or often, as I say, as an adult, you want to dress however you want. You want to marry whoever you want. Okay, most people are on board that sort of thing. Not everybody. And by the way, everybody's entitled to their own religious beliefs and everything else. You can't, you can't legislate other people's freedom, right? We all deserve the same individual rights, but Rogan's hitting it there at the end. When you walk into Target, you're there to buy something, right? You want to buy toilet. I'd like to buy toilet paper. I want to get some beer, let's say. I want to get some kids clothes. I want to get a basketball. And what else would I get there? A candle. That's what I'm at Target for. I don't need to walk in and be bludgeoned with stuff that will have kids tucking their genitals so that they can pretend to be the other gender, right? And we know the same thing with Bud Light and everything else. So how has it affected these companies? I mean, and the beauty is that it has affected these companies, not because it was a top-down decision, but the average person just saw this finally, enough of us started talking about it, and then the average person decided to put their money, use their wallet elsewhere, right? And what that does is it makes it so that you actually have some power. Uh, This is really extraordinary stuff. Now, updates on some of how this has affected these corporations. This is from the Daily Mail. Bud Light is now cheaper than water at some retailers after the $20 billion Dylan Mulvaney disaster, as some stores report 50% decline in sales year on year after marketing gimmick gone wrong. So it actually doesn't matter whether, as Joe Rogan said, this was just like a a throwaway thing where they were like, okay, Dylan Mulvaney, put this up on social media. We didn't put much thought into it. Or it was a real corporate decision. Actually, we know it was a real corporate decision because we've played, I think, a couple times for you guys some of the videos of the executives saying why they were pushing this, right? Why they wanted a more diverse beer drinking audience and that they didn't want to be so focused on frat boys. They wanted it to be more enlightened or something like that. By the way, the two executives in charge of the campaign have been fired. So it was actually specific and targeted, not just a little throwaway thing, but that that's sort of Uh, beside the point. But now I'm going to show you how divided America is on woke versus non-woke and how they're using this ridiculous LGBT thing to stoke these divisions, despite the fact that we're no longer in Pride Month. And thank God, can we finally go back to a little shame? 
a little old-fashioned shame. Wouldn't that be a freaking pleasure? But as we know, they want to make it Pride Summer now, but not in this house. I'll tell you that much. We'll get to that in just a sec. Let me talk to you guys about Route 66. Uh, How many of you out there have had the opportunity to take a travel and vacation across mid-America on the Mother Road? Well, running 2,400 miles from Chicago to LA, the iconic highway enables thousands of vacationers the opportunity to get their kicks on Route 66 and tap into the nostalgia of a booming time in America's past. However, with the construction of the U.S. interstate freeway system, many of the shops have gone out of business. Introducing one of our newest sponsors, the Route 66 Revitalization. This is a nonprofit organization that was created to bring awareness to the forgotten businesses still surviving along the old Route 66 corridor. I've driven it many times and it's a beautiful thing. In addition to bringing awareness to the upcoming 100 year anniversary of this famous road, they are dedicated to helping kickstart economic recovery and sustainability for these businesses. The Route 66 revitalization team in partnership with the California Route 66 Museum located between Vegas and Los Angeles needs your help. This American treasure nearly closed several times over the years. However, the museum's dedicated volunteers began paying for operating expenses out of pocket to keep the doors open. With the help of the Route 66 revitalization and donors like you, the Route 66 Museum continues to open three days a week, free to the public, and the revitalization team is helping to raise funds for projects like moving a 1968 historical caboose next to the museum to drive more traffic. You can help by sending a donation through Zelle to donations at route66revitalization.com or make donations directly to the historic Route 66 Museum at info at caroute66museum.com. And now back to me. Okay, so we know that they have jammed all of these letters together, these letters that have nothing to do with each other, and they keep extending the letters, and more and more people are involved in this, and it has nothing to do with reality. Another thing that they are doing is pointing all of this at at children, right? And they're always telling us that they're not your children, they're our children. Well, just this weekend, the elderly gentleman pretending to be President Joe Biden was at a July 4th celebration. They let him out of the crypt for a couple hours. And once again, he went after your children. Children are the kite strings. They're not somebody else's children. They're all our children. Are the kite strings that lift our national ambitions aloft. And you hold those strings. You hold those strings. All right, meaningless drivel, as always. No, Joe Biden is not my son, Joe. Uh, Hunter Biden is not my son, and my kids are not your kids. He's also slurring through it. It's all the usual stuff, right? But the thing is, these things, they come from people like Joe Biden, they come from our corporations, and then they leak into everything. This is why bottom-up is good, right? When you boycott things because you're like, oh, I don't like these corporations, I don't like what these people are doing, the people that are making these movies, I don't like this, I'm not gonna give them my money. That's a beautiful thing because it gives power to you. They like it the other way. They like to say, oh, your children are our children. You will buy these products. It's a top-down thing. We like to do it the other way. Uh, But it starts with Biden, it starts with these corporations, and then it leaks into everything, uh, much like it has leaked into almost all of our religious institutions as well. I saw this video over the weekend, this is wild, uh, from some woke, this is a woke church. I mean, this this feels like a Waiting for Guffman parody or, or Best in Show parody, but this is real. Look what's going on at the woke churches of America. I don't think that there is a safe space for queer people in our churches. 
the church in America and the world. We don't know what to do with queer folks. The church has failed a lot of people. I will go to church and every time we want to pray the gay away. I'm Drew. My pronouns are they and he. I'm just queering church. So it's coming after everything. You know, it's, it's interesting. As I always say, like, if you have certain religious beliefs, you have certain beliefs when it comes to marriage or anything else, as long as you're not legislating those beliefs, I, I am perfectly able to respect your beliefs and I, I believe in live and let live. To the same extent that I would not force a synagogue or a church or a mosque, there aren't a lot of mosques that do gay weddings, I wouldn't force any of them to have my beliefs. But you can see how wokeism destroys anything. Do you think there's any chance that once this woke nonsense, which by the way, it's not just about, okay, we just want two dudes to get married, so could you marry us? Uh, it becomes a, a completely holistic political ideology. Do you think once it's in these churches, once they're hanging that flag, much like we hang that flag uh, at the White House, uh, that it's not going to affect every other thing that the church is trying to teach? Now, you may not be part of a church, you may not like those ideas, but they're entitled to have those ideas, right? They are entitled to have those ideas. The wokesters are entitled to have their ideas. The problem is we're forcing all of these things together. And then it leaks, as I said, it's in politics, it's in our corporations, it's in our religious institutions. And of course, what's it in? Well, it's in all of our movies and our television and the rest of the stuff that we show once again, our kids. Uh, this is really wild. You guys know that in a couple of weeks, if you haven't seen it, it's all over online everywhere. The Barbie movie is coming out. Uh, Mary Margaret Olihan uh, tweeted this out. Uh, Barbie release on July 21st. There's a ton of hype around this movie, what you may have missed. It includes a biologically male actor who identifies as a woman playing a female doctor. And there's the biological male who plays a female in the movie, who not plays a female who is a female, is quote unquote, is a female in the movie. Um, the point of all of this, guys, it, I don't have a problem with a trans person being an actor or anything else, as you know, or not even a trans person. You want to dress up like a chick and go get a gig. <laughs> like you want to be a plumber. <laughs> that would be funny. Like you, 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 you know, you got like a, you got a clogged toilet, you call the plumber and then like, you know, like a dude in a dress shows up, like I'll fix your toilet. Um, but. <laughs> I don't have a problem with any of that, but the point is Barbie is made for children. Now I get it, everyone's stuck in like some weird adolescent thing, so it'll be mostly 35 year olds going to see this thing, but they are intentionally trying. There's a gajillion girls out there who would love to be in the Barbie movie as a girl. So why do they go out of their way to have a biological boy play a girl who's supposed to be completely a girl in the Barbie movie, unless they're trying to confuse kids, unless they want some kid to realize something's a little weird about that. Some eight-year-old kid is gonna watch the Barbie movie, be like, something's a little odd there, and then bring that up with their parents, and then their parents have to explain that to them, when all they wanted to do was get two hours of peace on a Saturday afternoon by taking them to our movies. So you, get, you guys get it, right? Not only are institutions and industries getting flooded with a bunch of this woke nonsense, but many, many, almost all of the machine heads, that's a good one, right? The machine heads, the people who are out there doing what I do, but doing it for the machine, just repeating the nonsense over and over. We're gonna call them machine heads for now on. What are they doing? They are constantly stoking division around all of this. So check this out. 
Uh, this is over on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. This is noted racist Joy Reid. And she is not happy with what's going on right here in the free state of Florida. Over the course of the past year, the United States of America has become an increasingly less safe place for the LGBTQ community. Just weeks ago, the Human Rights Campaign, for the first time, declared a national state of emergency for LGBTQ Americans. A report from the Anti-Defamation League and GLAAD says there's been more than, more than 350 incidents of anti-LGBTQ harassment, vandalism, or assault in the U.S. since last year. Not to mention a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced in Republican-controlled state houses across the country, many of which have become law. And ground zero for this anti-LGBTQ movement is Florida, led by its governor, Ron DeSantis, who's been seemingly, who seemingly made it his entire goal to ban everything from drag shows to even just talking about sexuality in schools. This, of course, is happening in the same state where just seven years ago, the deadliest attack on the LGBTQ community in modern history took place when a gunman killed 49 people and injured 53 others at Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Guys, let me be clear. Florida is absolutely fine for gay people. There is no hate for gay people. People just don't chuck things at gay people. At that was messed up. That was really messed up. I just want to just go through what she, uh, <laughs> I said to Phoenix during the break, during the, as we were playing that clip, I was like, throw something at me. He turns about, you throw it at him. Like, uh, you were afraid you were going to miss me, even though you're only two feet away from me. That's, that's Brock's a fine athlete. Okay. Uh, there's no state of emergency for gay people. This is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. Also 350 anti-gay incidences. Now this is someone walking down the street and being like, you, I don't like you in 11 months. That's actually not that many. We're a giant country of 350 million people. Uh, and there are no anti-LGBT bills. There aren't. There are bills about what you are allowed to do in front of children. If you are an adult male wearing a dog costume and some crazy tied up your nuts in some weird thing, could you just not do that in public in front of somebody else's kids? That's what's going on. That's what we're making illegal here. I know plenty of gay people in Florida. Plenty of gay people are still moving here. And they are living their lives like everyone else. Because as I often say, much like black people, gay people just like safe cities and flourishing economies and nice weather and good neighbors and things of that nature. But more and more people are picking up on it, right? That's why more and more people are tuning out of, uh, of MSNBC. And more and more people are realizing that these letters have nothing to do with each other. I want to show you this. This is Andrew Tate talking about how LGBT makes absolutely no sense. LGBTQ, they package it all together. I would argue that G and T are very different things. A gay man and someone who's chopped the dick off are very different things. So they package it all together. So now, because the spectrum of your enemy is so large, you have people who are complete fully this way. You have people who we accept and are normal in society. We have no problem with gay people. And they put it all together. You're an enemy of all these people. And they complicate the argument and they mix it all together. And now you're a bigot. And really, you just want your kids to be left alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's what most people have come around to. Again, you don't have to love gay people. You should, choose, you should like people based on their behaviors and, you know, whatever. You, you don't have to, right? Again, you can have your own religious beliefs. You can't legislate those beliefs. But he got it right there. 
they have widened the spectrum of these things because the gays and the lesbians, it was all taken care of. You got marriage, no laws discriminating against everybody, you got equality. But the activists could not give it up because they need division. The nonprofits need division. Joy Reid needs division. All of these people need that division because without the division, you might just go ahead and live your life and be happy and not give them money and not give them attention. And they don't deserve either one of those things. So this is exactly why there is so much division right now. Because woke, the most, it is the most dangerous ideology that we have had in America in the last 50 years. It's communism on steroids, right? It's collectivism with a dash of racism and gender confusion. And once you are whittled down to your inherent differences, uh, you are going to have a very difficult society to operate in because especially in America where we've welcomed everybody. So what other uh, Western nation is struggling right now? Because obviously it's not us. Well, there are major, like crazy, crazy riots happening in Paris for the last week or so. You're probably not seeing this on CNN, you're probably not seeing this on MSNBC. Actually, Brock, could you go and just scan MSNBC and CNN's Twitter feed for the last like three days, see how, how many times they mentioned what's going on in Paris or put up videos, I'm just curious. Uh, but I wanna read a bit about what's going on in France right now from the Daily Wire. Uh, huge riots have escalated all over France in the wake of a police shooting of a 17-year-old Algerian Muslim, prompting authorities to deploy 40,000 police on the streets of major cities, including Paris, Thursday night. The incident, which sparked the rioting, occurred Tuesday when a police officer shot and killed Nahel M during a traffic stop near Nantier, west of Paris. According to Reuters, the teenager was driving in the bus lane during a traffic jam when he was pulled over to stop, but refused to provide a license and then tried to drive away. The officer shot him in the left arm and chest, according to the Nantier public prosecutor who added that the officer feared that the teenager would start a car chase and injure others. Police said Nahil M. had been known to ignore traffic stops before. He had to be stopped, but obviously the officer didn't want to kill the driver, the police officer's attorney stated. Riots were reported from Paris where a dozen buses were burned and store windows were smashed along the Rue de Rivoli all the way to Robaille in the north and Marseille in the south, as well as Reims and London. In Drancy, a Paris suburb, a shopping mall was burned. In Marseille, the country's largest library was burned. The headquarters of the Paris 2024 Olympics in Saint-Denis were set on fire. The state must be firm in its response, uh, Darmanian stated. He also said 875 people were arrested on Thursday night. The rioting has escalated. France's 24... France 24's international affairs editor, Angela Diffley said, it appears to be morphing into something closer to general rioting. We saw a huge amount of looting and pillaging of ordinary businesses and some high-end shops. Okay, so now you have a little bit of backdrop on what happened, but what really is going on is something very similar to what happened in the United States in the wake of the George Floyd uh, incident, which is that these people use a police incident for general mayhem and for destruction of all that is good and decent. And France has a particular uh, problem with this because of the amount of immigration that they let in, the hundreds of thousands of people from North Africa and Middle East countries and everything else. And then they did not integrate them properly into their society. Here's about a minute long compilation of some of the absolute mayhem. I mean, this is, this is wild what is going on in Paris right now. Oh, 
That's not Iraq, that's not Libya, that is Paris. That is Paris, France, which, which once was the, the cultural center of the world. They let in hundreds of thousands of immigrants. I can't say illegal immigrants in their case, although some of them did come illegally, but they had open borders in essence over the last decade. They let in all of these people. They did not integrate them properly. Uh, they, the state starts giving them things, but of course it's never enough. That puts them at odds with the average uh, French taxpayer who is now footing the bill for people that they have nothing in common with culturally. They have different views on women, let's say, and gays and other minorities and other religions, et cetera, et cetera. And it is just an excuse. I, look, I'm not gonna sit here pretending that I'm, I'm an expert in uh, politics in France, but the theme, the theme that there is a certain set of people who want open borders, who want mayhem and are using this combined with the woke thing, which is why I, could, I would connect this with the George Floyd riots, because it looks the same, right? Like cities burning, things exploding, looting and destroying, you know, and they're never taking eggs. They're always taking televisions. I guess they're eating televisions, right? Because AOC said it's that these people are hungry mostly. Uh, but this is pretty disturbing. Uh, this is in the Paris Square. This is the center of Paris, France. Uh, here are, uh, well, this is dozens, if not hundreds of people waving the Algerian flag. So when you see videos from our southern border, when you see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. out there, standing there in the middle of the night, watching hundreds of people from all sorts of different countries, and remember he listed all the countries from people, you know, people think, oh, it's just Mexicans coming. That wouldn't be just and right either way, we should have a border, but it's people from all over the world coming here, and then you wonder, well, where are these people going? What are they doing? What do they believe? Are they gonna start doing some of this stuff? Like, is that so crazy? What's happening in Paris, does that not seem like something that could just explode in New York City like that? Is, does that not seem like something that could happen in Los Angeles just like that? It won't happen in Florida. It won't happen in the places that will protect themselves. Texas is trying to do the best it can as a border state, right? Uh, but these things are connected, mass immigration and globalism. And, and the fact that there are differences between cultures, there are differences between religions, and there are differences between the way people behave. And if you do not step up for your own country, if you will not look at America, that's why, that's the reason I was trying to do the show the way we did it today, is because I'm watching yesterday, while we here were celebrating July 4th, and it was our first July 4th with the boys, and we had them in the, you know, in American flag outfits and everything, and, and celebrating in fireworks last night, and Clyde's going crazy, you know, dogs go crazy with the fireworks. And I was just thinking like how much I love this country and just all the stuff that you were thinking, right? But there's a huge amount of people here that don't think that. And they want more and more of this chaos and they want more and more of these people. Uh, so France now has a major, major problem because this is now in their country and they better figure out a way to deal with it. And the way we can deal with it here is believing 
in nationalism, believing in borders and things like that, something that France forgot a long time ago. I wanna give you some info from Statista on France and migration. France net migration rate from 1950 to 2023. United Nation projections are also included through the year 2100. The current net migration rate for France in 2023 is 0.963 per 1,000 population, a 9% increase from 2022. The net migration rate for France in 2022 was 0.883 per 1,000 population, a 9.96 increase from 2021. The net migration rate for France in 2021 was 0.803 per 1,000 population, an 11% increase from 2020. The net migration rate for France in 2020 was 0.72 three per thousand population, a 12.44 increase from 2019. So they are letting in all of those people. And then the question is, okay, are the intentions good when they open up borders? You can just ask Angela Merkel, right? What did Angela Merkel do at the height of the Syrian war? What did she do? She basically opened the borders of Germany. About a million people came into Germany. She had no idea what their beliefs were. Uh, Germany has a history of having problems uh, with minorities, religious minorities and everything else. Now you bring in a whole bunch of people and then what happens? They don't all get along. They're, they're a drain on the system. And then people start getting angry at each other. They behave differently. They, be, they have different beliefs towards women, et cetera, et cetera. So in France, if you import a bunch of non-people into France, then France will eventually not look like France anymore. Uh, we have a bit more on what's going on there. This is from the Daily Wire. The United Nations jumped into the discussion about riots in France catalyzed by the death of a Muslim teenager shot by police as a UN spokeswoman call, accused French law enforcement of racism. We are concerned by the killing of a 17-year-old of North African descent by police in France on Tuesday, UN Human Rights uh, Office spokeswoman Ravina Shamdasani said. We note that an investigation has been launched into alleged voluntary homicide. This is a moment for the country to seriously address the deep issues of racism and discrimination in law enforcement. We also emphasize the importance of peaceful assembly, Shamdasians uh, continued. We call on the authorities to, uh, to ensure use of force by police to address violent elements in demonstrations always respects the principles of legality, necessity, proportionality, non-discrimination, precaution and accountability, any allegations of disproportionate use of force must be swiftly investigated. Let me, let me just say that uh, the United Nations is a sack of stinky shit. That's all it is. It is a globalist organization designed to destroy Western countries. The people of France right now, if you're watching this in Fran and you're in France, I want to know you, you've got an ally in me and many good Americans. You do not have to listen to the United Nations. Those people who are burning down your cities and blowing up uh, car bombs and hijacking buses and driving them through, uh, the city and all of that stuff. The police have, in my estimation, the police have every right to shoot them. The police and you, you as a country have every right to deport every single one of them yesterday. That is how a sane society would operate. You do The fact that the United Nations, as Paris is burning down, is accusing the French people, the French people who let in the hundreds of thousands of immigrants in the first place. They let in hundreds of thousands from people of North Africa. Did they do that in the name of racism? Now, it was misguided and it was stupid, uh, but they did it. So were they being racist when they did it? So every nation has an absolute duty to defend itself. 
And France has to decide how they're going to go ahead and defend themselves. And, and when this comes more to America, which it will, when it spreads to England, when it continues in Germany, all of these countries have to decide what they want. But they should not be taking cues from the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and the rest of it. But now I want to show you how subtly this stuff gets imported into the United States. Because as I've mentioned a couple of times, what we have done in the United States, better than any nation in the history of the world, is take everybody. We said, everybody, you're tired, you're poor, and you're huddled masses. Hey, come here, work hard. We'll do our best to make sure that everyone has an even playing ground and see what happens. And generation after generation, it got better for everybody, right? You watching this right now, your life is better than your grandparents. I know it, right? My life is better than my grandparents' life. That is the beauty and the promise of America. It's tenuous at best right now, but that has been how this thing has worked for our 247 years. And the reason for that was we did not always whittle people down to their differences. You are this color, think like this. You are this sexuality, think like this. But the modern left, the wokesters that have completely taken over the Democratic Party, that's all they see people as. And I wanna give you the most perfect example of that. So Jen Psaki, who is just an absolute propagandist liar working at the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, uh, here she is talking about what's been going on with some of the gender-related stuff. And we remember a couple weeks ago, was it maybe two weeks ago, we showed you how in Glendale in California that Muslim parents and Armenians, and this has been happening all over the place, by the way, this was happening in Detroit as well, uh, where there's a big Muslim population, that parents are just saying, you know, enough of this crazy trans ideology, uh, we are protesting against it. Listen to the way Jen Psaki frames parents who just don't want their children sexualized, in this case, she's talking about Muslims, uh, how she frames them against the trans community because this is what they do with everything. You are a group, not an individual. So lately I've been noticing the reemergence of a very old GOP playbook that harkens back to President Richard Nixon's infamous Southern strategy. During his campaign for president in 1968, the Republican Party made a concerted effort to reach white Southerners who used to vote for Democrats by playing to their fears of African-Americans and the civil rights movement. And it worked. By pitting one group of Americans against another, the GOP successfully managed to split off Southern whites from the Democratic Party. Now, decades later, the right wing is reviving that same playbook this time with Muslim Americans and trans people. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the US population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. Guys, it's not the Muslim parents who don't want their kids sexualized it's that, that are coming up with this idea. That's not coming from their own brains. They don't have capacity to think. They don't have a capacity to protect their children and everything else. It's that racist, bigoted GOP who has tricked Muslim parents into hating the trans people. If you know someone that watches MSNBC, you must remove them from your life. I don't know what, if someone, if I knew somebody, that I watch MSNBC, where do you get, oh, I watch MSNBC. I can't talk to you anymore. I'm sorry. We have to start disconnecting from these people altogether. Okay, take them out of the will. They cannot come to dinner anymore. You know, they're not coming over for the barbecue. These people are insane. And it's so bigoted. You know, this is what the soft bigotry of low expectations is. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. She thinks that the average Muslim is not allowed to think for themselves. They're not allowed to make a choice about their children. They're not allowed to make a choice about what parental rights are, what school choices, what love for America is. If you dare vote Republican, it's actually because you hate trans people. God awful, vile wench, but it continues. Speaking of vile wenches, uh, Jamel Hill, she used to work at uh, ESPN. She got booted from ESPN. Then where'd she go? She went over to Spotify, right? And she got booted for Spotify because they wouldn't pay her $100 million, so she called them racist. Anyway, uh, you'll love this one from the New York Post. Jamel Hill accuses Asians of carrying the water for white supremacy for backing affirmative action decision. Yes, so here you go. Now it's the Asians' fault, those freaking Asians who just wanted to be treated equally and not to have to have scores a gajillion times better to get into the same school as a black kid, those freaking Asians carrying water for the white supremacists. Mirror lady, get a mirror, you're the racist. You're the racist, and I've said this before, but you know, I saw Jamel Hill once at the LAX airport and she was with Michael Jordan, not basketball superstar Michael Jordan, I'm talking about Michael Jordan, the actor, and she was wearing shoes, these furry shoes, that these things must have cost 5,000 bucks easily. Like you could just, like they were money shoes. So this woman is not oppressed. She's a racist and a bigot and a fool. Now this one actually depresses me. And speaking of Michael Jordan, I want to shift this to Charles Barkley for a minute. This, this Charles Barkley, I loved him as a basketball player. And as a broadcaster for the last 20 years, he has been one of the funniest, most outspoken, interesting, like he's, he's, a, he's important culturally. And every now and again, you miss one, Chuck. And I think you missed one here. Uh, this is from The Hill. In my will, I am leaving Auburn $5 million, basketball legend Charles Barkley said. I'm going to change it to be just for scholarships for black students. That's just my way of trying to make sure Auburn stays diverse. I mean, this is so disappointing. And this, this constant move for diversity, what percentage of the NBA is black? It's over 90%, right? Yeah, it's something like 98%. It doesn't even matter. Should, that, should we whittle it down so that it should be perfectly diverse because I think America is 70% white still, something like that. Should we have 70% white players in the NBA? This, this focus on diversity and skin color is so dangerous. So Barkley, who, who's so out, you know, he's been anti-woke before and he gets so much of this stuff right. And you may remember that commercial from around 1992, I'm not a role model, right? He was saying, I'm just an athlete. I'm not a role model. He got a lot of shit for it way back when. But it's like, you, you missed one here, man, because uh, first off, if you also think it's so important, I have no idea how much money you make, Barkley. I think he just signed a deal with CNN, right? So like the guy's probably got 50 million bucks. Why are you waiting? Why wait? Hopefully, Barkley, hopefully you live another 40 plus years. I'm guessing he's probably about 55, 60. Hopefully you live another 40 years. Why not throw that 5 million in now? You think in 40 years, your 5 million to get more black people at Auburn is going to have any meaning or make any sense or anything else? Will that help us get past racism? You just missed one here, Chuck. <laughs> I love you. I, I, you know, it would have been nice if you had won the 93 finals. Tough to stop Jordan at the peak. Anyway, it continues uh, because, you know, the big story obviously last week was about what Chuck was just talking about, which was that the Supreme Court reversed the affirmative action in college admissions decision. 
Well, now multiple universities, and most of this was focused on Harvard. Harvard was the most glaring example of, oh, you're an Asian with straight A's, perfect SATs, you speak five languages, you work hard, we can't find anything wrong with you, sorry, we're moving you out because we want to elevate somebody else. Uh, well, now Harvard, post this decision, are, uh, has announced that they are figuring out ways uh, to work around this and make sure that diversity will still be at that apex of the hierarchy. Here is Harvard president-elect Claudine Gay. Of course, her last name's Gay. It's just uh, talking about their commitment to diversity. The Supreme Court's decision on college and university admissions will change how we pursue the educational benefits of diversity. But our commitment to that work remains steadfast. It's essential to who we are and the mission that we are here to advance. Guys, their commitment to the thing that the Supreme Court just said was illegal, steadfast, okay? They are going to figure out other ways to be racist. That's what they're telling you. And as I've said many times, I would never hire someone from Harvard at this point. I'm not interested in hiring anyone from an Ivy League school. I would be more inclined when we get resumes to hire somebody who's dropped out of school or who never went to school, or who had some world, you know, some worldly uh, experience or worked in a shop for a while or literally anything else, did an apprenticeship, an internship. It does not matter. I genuinely, genuinely mean that. Uh, but this, this desire to keep a certain set of people oppressed is, is incredible. And there may be no better example of this. This is chef kiss, beautiful tweet from Charlie Kirk. Obama's complained about being black oppressed from a luxury yacht in the Greek islands after affirmative action overturned by Supreme Court. Look at that fancy yacht. I have never been on a yacht of that nature. Connor, have you ever, Phoenix, ever been on a, Brock, never been on a, oh. Oh, Brock has been on the Obama. <laughs> that's funny. Brock's been on the Obama's yacht. We'll find out more about that. But that's it right there, right? This guy who now is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, who was a community organizer, somehow becomes president of the United States. Hope and change. It obviously all failed, which is why we get his VP as the president now and all the rest of that. 30-acre estate on the water, Martha's Vineyard, climate change. Don't worry about that. And he's tweeting about oppression for black people on the yacht. Now I'd like to transition to sanity because you know we like to tie these things up in a sane way so that you can go about the rest of your day in a functional manner, right? Can't just show you crap all day then send you out there. You got a job to do and people to be around and I'm not trying to make you crazier. Here's some sanity for you. This is uh, the legendary, by the way, who just turned 93 years young just a few days ago, I think on June 27th, if I'm not mistaken, Thomas Sowell, who actually still technically is at Stanford. And when he was at Stanford for the majority of his career, Stanford was a somewhat functional university. Uh, but this is Thomas Sowell about a decade or so ago, uh, wrecking, absolutely wrecking affirmative action uh, with Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say, well, affirmative action may be unfair, but it's helped a lot of people. You buy that? Uh, it may have helped some people, but on, on net balance, I don't believe it has. There's a marvelous uh, uh, study done uh, showing that when they banned affirmative action in California, uh, University of California system, uh, blacks began to uh, graduate at a much higher rate than before, graduate with much uh, higher grade point average, graduated in subjects like math and engineering to a far greater extent than before, because now the students went to those particular parts of the university system that fitted 
their particular academic preparation and they graduated before you know you could flunk out of Berkeley or UCLA right. which does you no good now you can graduate from Davis or, or Santa Cruz and, and, and go on to a career isn't that something if you put people at schools that they should be in that match up with their skills with their work ethic with what the sum totality of what they are at that ripe age, 16, 17, and you put them in a school that can help that flourish. You don't just elevate them to a school that can't help them flourish just because of the color of their skin, that they actually will do better in life. Isn't that something? And if you do that, you also don't have to discriminate against those pesky Asians and white people who work real hard. By the way, I'm being informed right now, this is very exciting. Barack Obama was on that yacht in the Greek islands with Tom Hanks, noted white supremacist, Tom Hanks. Uh, it continues. Let me throw one more Thomas Sowell at you because we talked about multiculturalism today. What's happening in Paris has nothing to do with the shooting of this one kid. This is a failure of multiculturalism, a failure to bring in all of these people, say there are no differences between anyone, no idea, no culture is better than any other or anything else. Uh, here's Thomas Sowell, again, this is a decade plus back, destroying multiculturalism. Once again, with Tucker Carlson. Multiculturalism has not only taken root in schools, I think it is uncritically accepted by a lot of Americans, haven't thought it through. In this book, you, you assault it head on. You describe it as a barrier to progress and a lot of other things. Explain why multiculturalism, if you would, is bad. I guess it starts from a false premise, uh, which is that there's something uh, that, all, that all cultures are equal in some undefinable sense, which has never been the case. I mean, some cultures are better at some things, worse at other things, uh, and at particular times in history, uh, one group's culture may be ascendant and another time another group's. But what you almost never see is what they assume is a norm, namely all groups performing pretty much the same in all kinds of fields across the board. That you, you, you can go through centuries of history without finding a single example of that. You, you say that that assumption, in fact, holds different groups down. You write, quote, multiculturalism, like the caste system, paints people into the corner where they happen to have been born. But at least the caste system doesn't claim to benefit those at the bottom. Absolutely. So when the multiculturalists say, for example, that uh, the schools should not try to uh, uh, make uh, black students uh, speak standard English, uh, the difference between speaking standard English and not speaking standard English can be huge in terms of your, your job, your careers, and all sorts of other things. A legend, a national treasure, and we are, we are hoping, I cannot promise it, at 93 years old, we are hoping to get one more interview with him. We've been going back and forth for quite some time. There's some logistical stuff, but we're, we're working on that. But the basic idea there, that not all cultures are the same. There is a difference between Algerian culture, the nation of the people who come from the nation of Algeria, and the people who live in the nation of France. These things are different. Sometimes this country's better at this, and this country's better at this. This country might be better, more for human rights. This country might be better at, it does not matter. But the point is they're not all the same. And we have whittled our modern left and all of our institutions have whittled everything down to we are all the same and we are not all the same and not all ideas are the same. And there is one thing that can get us out of this pit and that is American exceptionalism. It is American culturalism. The idea that this country is great, that our ancestors paid an incredible price so that we could live in this extraordinary freedom. 
but we damn well better protect it and soon. Otherwise, what is happening on the streets of Paris will happen on the streets of our major cities. We've already been through a mini version of that during the summer of love in 2020, right? We've already been there. So what we must start thinking about ourselves is not that we are African-Americans or gay Americans or MSNBC viewing Americans. We must just be Americans. And to end this show with a nice little bow, I offer you uh, one of the best boxers in the history of boxing, uh, Floyd Mayweather, who was from the streets of Detroit, not an easy place to grow up, uh, with his view on what it is to be an American. I'm not an African-American, I'm an American. I was born on American soil, but I did go back to the motherland and I love it and made millions going back to the motherland. But I was born in America. When the Europeans came to the Native Americans, well, they like to call them Native Americans, but the Indians land. We don't call them European Americans. So I don't want to be called an African-American. I'm an American. I'm a, you know what I'm saying? You can call me a black American, but I'm an American. When I competed in the, in the Olympics, they didn't say fighting uh, an African-American. They said uh, that American that's fighting out of the red corner or out the blue corner. I love America. I love this country. I love America. I love this country. I love doing this program, and I love you fine people. we got a post-game show for you in just moments. RubenReport.Locals.com. Oh, and I like this cold clothes today. And we will see everybody else tomorrow. Well, and, and the ones that didn't vote for your bills, but run on them. them That's too. right. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I it's great it. to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction and analysis to everything we just heard. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.